if we could, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling this morning, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read in the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, we're going to consider the whole chapter, but if we just take as our text uh, the conclusion in verse 13, where Solomon says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. All good things must come to an end. It's a phrase we often use when a good thing has come to its conclusion. And we often use it to describe maybe a holiday or a film we were watching or maybe a get-together with friends. When we've enjoyed something or when we've been somewhere and it comes to a conclusion, we often admit that all good things must come to an end. But would you say the same about this sermon called Ecclesiastes? Would you say that as we come to the conclusion of this sermon, would you say that all good things must come to an end? And I guess the question I'm asking is, what is your perception of a sermon? Why do you come to church to listen to a sermon? Do you come just because you know you should? Do you come to church because it's your Sunday routine that's been instilled in you since childhood? Do you come because it's a means to an end? That if you come, well, it's done, it's out of the way, the box is ticked, I don't need to come until next Sunday. What is your perception of a sermon? Do you enjoy it? Do you listen to it? Do you take it in? Now, I'm not asking for a critique or anything like that. If you have a problem with what I say, well, you can say it to me. I'm open to that. But the reason I'm asking this is, do you come to church and are you glad when it's over? That do, do you look forward to coming to church? And if you do, well, that's a sign that the Lord is working in your heart. If you, but if you come to church just as a means to an end, something to pass the time on a quiet Sunday morning, if that's the way you live your life, then you need to start listening to this sermon. You may have missed the entire sermon daydreaming, but Solomon is going to remind you in this final sermon, this final section of his sermon, what he's going to remind you is, he's going to remind you about everything he has said in his whole sermon, so that you will take it to heart, and so that you will take it home with you. And you know, that's what makes for a good sermon. We said before that information and application make for a good sermon, but what also makes a good sermon is that it's memorable. Can you remember what was said? Do you remember maybe the points that were given? Can you discuss the sermon afterwards? Can you recount some of the details of the sermon and how it applies to your life? That's what makes for a good sermon. If you can take it to heart and if you can take it home. And you know, that's what Solomon seeks to do as he brings his sermon to a conclusion. We've said before that the book of Ecclesiastes, it's the sermon of King Solomon. He preaches this sermon at the end of his life, as this sermon of repentance. 
And the title Ecclesiastes, it means the preacher. And Solomon is the preacher. Ecclesiastes is the preacher's sermon. And Solomon is preaching a sermon all about the vanity of living your life without God. Solomon opened his sermon with the statement, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And from that opening statement, Solomon proceeded to preach about the vanity of living your life in a foolish way. Because in his sermon, Solomon affirms that he has looked at life from every possible angle. And he says, you need to look at life. And you need to love life. But you also need to live your life with an eternal perspective. Because if you're not living your life with an eternal perspective, he says, then you're wasting your life. And Solomon's plea to us in this whole sermon is, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life living for yourself and living for the pleasures of this world. Because he says what's of the utmost importance and what's of eternal value to you is your relationship to God through Jesus Christ. And so as Solomon brings his sermon to a conclusion, he wants us to ensure that, he wants to ensure that this sermon is memorable. He wants to ensure that you take this sermon to heart and that you take this sermon home with you. He doesn't want you to go away and just forget about what he has said because what he has said will have eternal consequences. Solomon wants us to take his sermon to heart and take his sermon home with us. And Solomon does this by concluding his sermon with a plea. He calls us to remember three things. He says, remember the creator, remember the context, and remember the conclusion. Remember the creator, remember the context, and remember the conclusion. So if we look first of all at remember the creator. Solomon's plea. Remember the creator. He says in, in verse 1. In chapter 12. Remember also your creator. In the days of your youth. Before the evil days come. And the years draw near. Of which you will say. I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light. And the moon and the stars are darkened. And the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. So Solomon begins to bring his sermon to a conclusion with this plea. Remember your creator. Now the important word that Solomon uses here is the word remember. Remember he says. And when Solomon says, remember, he's not asking you to use your memory. He's not asking you to, to sit down and just to, to think back to that time when you were young and when you were in Sunday school and when you were taught all those Bible stories and these memory verses that you have instilled in you. That's not what Solomon is talking about. He's not calling you to think. He's calling you to act. Because when the Bible uses the word remember, it doesn't call us to sit down and think about something. The Bible is actually calling us to respond to what we're hearing. And that's what Solomon is doing here. He's saying to us, you have been listening to my sermon called Ecclesiastes. 
You've heard a lot about what I have to say about the vanity of living your life without God. You've repeatedly heard the need to live your life with an eternal perspective. But he says, now is the time to do something about it. Now it's the time for action. Now it's time for commitment. Now it's time to to make a move. Now it's time to see that what's of the utmost importance in your life and what's of eternal value is your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And what we have to notice with Solomon as he comes to the conclusion of his sermon is that there's this urgency now. He says, remember now. Act now. Commit now. Make a move now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. Not when you're old and failing and you have nothing else to live for in your life. He says, do it now. Do it now. But you know, the Bible not only uses the word remember in order to emphasize that we need to act upon what we're hearing. The Bible also emphasizes the urgency of acting upon what we're hearing. Because as we've said before, the Bible never says sit and think about being saved. The Bible says, come now, let us reason together. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he's to be found. Call upon him while he is near. The Bible says, come now. Because now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And today, says the Bible, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Why? Because you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And so as Solomon comes to the conclusion of his sermon, there's this urgency with the message he has. And he's saying, remember now. Act now. Commit now. Make a move now. And seek your creator before the evil days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. My friend, Solomon's urgent plea is for you to turn to God in repentance. Because he says, God is your creator and you are his creation. You have been made in the image and the likeness of God. And even though sin has come into this world and marred the image of the creator in us, there's still an element of you that bears that image and likeness of God. God, the creator, has made you. He's given you life and breath and health and strength. My friend, everything that you have today is because of God's goodness to you. And there's no doubt that we can say that the Lord has been good to you. The Lord has been good to me. And you know, this is something we need, to re- we need to rediscover in our day and generation. That we're not some random chance of biology. We aren't here by scientific accident. The accident of, of <coughs> molecules just colliding together to make this wonderful world that we live in. No, our origin, it began with our creator. Our first beginning, our genesis where we were knit together in our mother's womb. It was all his doing. And you know, we need to rediscover this great emphasis upon God's love and God's care towards his creation. Because nothing else will dignify man. Science never dignifies man. The world doesn't dignify man. Society doesn't dignify man. 
But the emphasis of the Bible is that as those who have been fearfully and wonderfully made by our creator, the Bible says we're precious. We are precious in God's sight. And every single one of us has been uniquely and personally and individually made and shaped and formed in the image of our creator. And it's in him, says the Bible, that we live and move and have our being. And we are to worship him because he is our maker. And because he has brought us into being without our aid. And this is the wonder of what the Bible says. We are so important to this creator that he would send his only son to be crucified on a Roman cross in order to save us. My friend, this creator who made you with so much care and love and dignity, he thinks so highly of the life that he has given to you that he will ask you to give an account of it. He's not going to ask the animals to give an account. He's not going to ask any of this creation to give an account. But our creator, he thinks so highly of the life that he has given to you. And it's a high life because you're made in his image and his likeness. And he thinks so highly of the life that he's given to you that one day you will stand before him and he will ask you what you did with this life. What did you do with it? And it's for this very reason that Solomon is urgently pleading with us. Remember now your creator before the evil days come. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator while time and strength are on your side. Remember your creator while you still have all your faculties. Remember now, he says. Remember now. Act now. Commit now. Make a move now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not in a year's time. Not when you're old and failing and have nothing else to live for. He says, do it now. Remember your creator while you can enjoy life and all its blessings. And that's what Solomon says in verse 2. He says, remember your creator Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Solomon is saying it's vanity to live your life without God because God is your creator. And you've been created to enjoy life and all its blessings. And you're to enjoy life and love life and live life with an eternal perspective by giving the best years of your life to the Lord. And what Solomon is asking us is, why are you going to wait until you're older to commit your life to the Lord? Why are you going to put off becoming a Christian until you're older? But many people do it. And they maybe do it, they maybe leave it because they think that, well, if they commit their life to the Lord when they're young and become a Christian, that they'll miss out on life. They'll miss out on the enjoyment of life. They'll miss out on the entertainment of life. But you know, Solomon, he says the very opposite. He says that if you leave committing your life to the Lord until later in life, he says you will have nothing left but regret. You will have nothing left but regret. 
Because as he says in verse 3, when the keepers of the house tremble, meaning when your legs become weak. When the strong men are bent, meaning when you're crouching over with old age. When the grinders cease because they're few, meaning when you lose your teeth. When the windows are dimmed, meaning when your eyes are beginning to fail. And the doors of the street are shut, meaning when your hearing is impaired and you become housebound. My friend, what Solomon is describing to us so vividly is what happens in old age. And he's asking, why are you going to put off becoming a Christian until you're older? Why are you going to wait until later on in life? Because if you leave it until later, you'll only discover that all these things that you clung to so tightly in your youth. He says that all these things that you put before God for years, that you put before his word, that you put before commitment to Christianity. What you'll discover, he says, is that at the end of your days, you'll realize it was all vanity. It was all vanity because they've done you no good in order to prepare you for eternity. And as Solomon says, he says, down in verse 7, he says, we're all going to our eternal home. We're all going to our long home. We're all going towards the grave. And when we do, says Solomon, when we reach the grave, he says, the mourners, they will go about the streets. And we will return to the dust because it's from the dust we came. And to the dust we must return. And Solomon's plea, his plea is that he has been, it's the same plea that he's been giving throughout his whole sermon. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life living for yourself and living for the pleasures of this world. Remember now your creator. Look at life. Love life. Live your life with an eternal perspective. Because what should be of the utmost importance and what is of eternal value is your relationship to God through Jesus Christ. Remember now, act now, commit now, he says. Make a move now, not tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow, not next week, not in a year's time. Not when you're old and failing and you have nothing else to live for, he says. Do it now. Do it now. Remember the creator. But secondly, Solomon wants us to remember the context. Remember the context. Look at verse 8. He says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goats and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, be, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books. There is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. We said earlier that as Solomon brings his sermon to a conclusion. He wants to ensure that his sermon is memorable. He wants to ensure that we take his sermon to heart. And that we take his sermon home with us. 
And, and Solomon, he certainly doesn't want us to go away and just forget about what he said. Because what he has said to us, it could have eternal consequences. And so Solomon, he calls us here to remember the context. Remember the context of his sermon. He urges us to call to mind and to put into action all that we have heard in his sermon. And it's interesting, Solomon urges us to do this by repeating the theme of his whole sermon. Because in verse 8, Solomon calls us to remember the context of his sermon. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. And that verse is important because... As we saw back in chapter 1, at the very beginning of his sermon, Solomon opened his sermon with the same statement. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And this statement, it has been the context of the entire sermon. Because as we've said, Solomon's sermon, it's all about the vanity of living your life without God. And from his opening statement, Solomon proceeded to preach about the vanity of living your life in a foolish way. Because the question Solomon wants us all to answer is, what is the point of life? Why are we here? What is it all about? Is there more to life than this? Do our lives really have meaning and purpose? And in the introduction to his sermon, Solomon told us that he applied himself to studying with his God-given wisdom. He studied to discover what the point to life really is. Solomon said, I, the preacher, have applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. In other words, he says, I have prepared my sermon for you to listen And for you to respond to what you hear. Because you need to live your life with an eternal perspective. And as Solomon came to discover for himself. You can possess great knowledge. We can have lots of wisdom. We can even be the wisest person who ever lived. But we can still live our lives in a foolish manner. And in this sermon Solomon is speaking from his own experience. It's a sermon of repentance. When you read 1 Kings, you see Solomon's life. It spiraled out of control. But Ecclesiastes, it's his sermon of repentance. Because Solomon regrets that he was sucked in by the vanity of this world. He regrets that he swallowed the lie that this world can give you all the pleasures that your heart heart desires. And now Solomon's hope is that we will listen to his sermon. In order to spare ourselves the bitterness of learning what he learned. And throughout his entire sermon, Solomon has been calling us to examine our own life. And to look at our own life. And ultimately to live our life with this eternal perspective. To see that eternity, it's only a breath away. And Solomon says, if you live your life without God then your life, it's, it's meaningless, it's empty, it's vanity, it's futile, it's chasing and striving after the wind. These things that you will never grasp hold of. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And you know, 
having discovered what this world offers us is vanity, Solomon pleads with us to listen to his sermon and just remember the context. And Solomon says, he says this because what he's giving to us in this sermon, it's a message of good news. Solomon is speaking to us in love. He's speaking out of a genuine concern for our soul and for our eternal well-being. And he's telling us that without God in your life, your life has no real meaning. Without God, there's no point to life. It's all vanity. It's meaningless. Without God in your life, you'll spend your life just chasing Striving after those things that will never bring you satisfaction. Whether those things are money, he says, or positions at work, or happiness, or entertainment. He's talked about all of it. And he says, without God in your life, without God giving you meaning to life and purpose and direction, all these things, they will never satisfy you. And because these things will never satisfy us and they will never fill that void in our heart which only Jesus can fill, Solomon says, it's all vanity. You have to see that it's all vanity. And throughout his entire sermon, Solomon has stressed this to us because he he wants us to know for ourselves that it's only God. It's only faith in Jesus Christ. It's only commitment to Christ that will give you meaning in life. It's only Jesus who gives you purpose and order and dignity. It's only Jesus who gives you the point to life. And, but without him, you're living your life in vain. And you know, what's remarkable about this sermon is that Solomon, he didn't look at life living it as a Christian. He looked at life from your perspective as someone who is unconverted. He looked at life from the perspective of living it without God. And he looked at all the different areas of life that we're all involved in. He looked at our work. He looked at education. He looked at pleasure. He looked at recreational activities. He looked at our relationships. And having looked at life without God... The conclusion that Solomon came to was vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All of it without God is vanity. Your life, he says, is meaningless without God. Now, there are some who would accuse Solomon of being this pessimistic preacher. But you know, Solomon, he's not trying to destroy our hopes. Solomon is trying to redirect our hope. Solomon is trying to direct our hope to the only one who can fulfill our hope. That is Jesus Christ himself. Because in Solomon's eyes, life is to be enjoyed. But it's to be enjoyed with the right perspective. In fact, in a sermon, Solomon affirmed, he affirmed the value of knowledge. It's good to have an education. He affirmed the value of relationships. He affirmed that work is necessary. He acknowledged that pleasure is to be enjoyed. But he says all these things in our life, they should be viewed and they should be kept 
in their proper place. They're not to take over our life. They're not to be the be-all and end-all of our life. Because all of these temporal things in life, he says, they must be viewed. They have to be viewed with an eternal perspective. And that's what Solomon wants us to see, that in light of the great eternity that awaits us all, in light of that great eternity, if we live our lives without God in this world, then our life has been lived in vain. And you know, what a sad end to have someone die out of Christ, to have wasted their whole life on the vanity of this world, and to die out of Christ. Do you know what's even worse? Is to have heard the gospel all your life, and to die out of Christ. To have lived your life in vain, and yet to have wasted the whole life when you had the greatest gift being handed to you every week. And you know what Solomon is saying to you? Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it living for yourself and for the pleasures of this world. Because what is of the utmost importance, what is of eternal value, is your relationship with God. Through Jesus Christ. And so Solomon is bringing his sermon to this great conclusion. And he concludes with a plea. He calls us to remember the creator. Remember the context. And then lastly and briefly. Remember the conclusion. Remember the conclusion. Look at verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I love the way the authorised version puts it. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. And Solomon, he brings his sermon to its conclusion with this plea. Remember this conclusion. Remember this conclusion. And he says that because in only a few words, Solomon sums up his entire sermon. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Because, and Solomon says this because to fear God is to possess true wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And to possess that true wisdom is to love life and to look at life and to live your life with an eternal perspective. And that's what Solomon has said throughout his whole sermon. And you know, he says, when you have an eternal perspective on life, when you fear God, you'll keep his commandments. Because your eternal perspective, it should affect every area of your life. It will affect your relationships. It will affect your family, your work, your education, your pleasure. It will affect your character, your conduct, and your conversations. But most importantly, he says, possessing an eternal perspective, fearing God, he says, it will affect your relationship with God. Because you will seek the Lord. You will commit your life to him. You will follow in his ways and in his precepts. 
You will follow the word of God. My friend, when you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, it will change everything. It will affect every area of your life and it will give you a perspective and a purpose in life. And it will give, give you meaning and it will give you the point to life. And you will live your life in light of eternity and the great day of judgment. My friend, you will live your life. When you fear God, you will live your life knowing, as it says in verse 14, that God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. My friend, remember the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man, he says. This is the point to life. Live your life with an eternal perspective. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it living for the moment and for the pleasures of this world. What is your, your priority, he says? What is your priority? Your priority is your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so Solomon, he brings his sermon called Ecclesiastes to its conclusion. And he wants us to ensure that his sermon is memorable. He wants to us. He wants to ensure that his sermon is taken to heart and that you take it home with you. He doesn't want you to go away and forget what, he's, what you've heard because what you have heard will have eternal consequences. And so Solomon pleads with you, remember the Creator. Remember now. Act now. Commit now. Make a move now. Not tomorrow, not next week. Not next year. Not when you're old and failing and you have nothing else to live for. He says, do it now. Do it now. Remember the creator. And remember the context. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. If you live your life without God, then it's meaningless. It's empty. It's futile. It's chasing and striving after the wind. Things that will never satisfy. So remember the creator, remember the context, and remember the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. This is the point to life. Live your life with an eternal perspective. Don't waste it. Don't waste your life living for the moment and for the pleasures of this world. Because what is of utmost importance, what is of eternal value, is your relationship to God with Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Remember the Creator. Remember the context. Remember the conclusion. Fear God. Keep His commandments. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee that, that Thy Word speaks into every area of our lives. And we pray that each and every one of us would live our life with an eternal perspective to realize that there is only but one step between us and death. And that great eternity is before us. Help us, Lord, to be ready. Help us to be prepared. 
Help us, Lord, even to be ready for the trumpet, that when the trumpet sounds, that everyone will stand before that great white throne. Help us, Lord, we pray thee then in this life, to fear God, to keep his commandments, knowing that it is the whole duty of man. It is our point to life, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Bless us, we pray. Bless thy word to us. Help us to take it to heart. Help us to take it home with us, that we might serve thee in this world and give thee the glory in all things that we do. Go before us and we pray. Take away our iniquity and receive us graciously. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We shall bring our, our service to a conclusion by singing the words of Psalm 90. Psalm 90 in the Scottish Psalter, page 350. Psalm 90. We've, we've sung this many times while we've been studying Ecclesiastes. It's the oldest psalm in the Bible, and yet it has the most relevant truth. It reminds us that we need to live life with that eternal perspective. Because Moses, who wrote this psalm, he says, Three score and ten years do sum up our days and years we see. Or if by reason of more strength than some fourscore they be, yet doth the strength of such old men but grief and labour prove. For it is soon cut off, and we fly hence, and soon remove. So we'll sing Psalm 90 from verse 10 down to the end of the double verse, Mark 12, to God's praise. Oh. 
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.